0: Grace and I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia, paying our respects to Elders past, present and emerging, particularly the traditional owners of this land we now call Sydney, where we are recording today, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Thank you, Lily. Please have got the pipe for you that'll show you all that. And- love and luck and and love. Sit back, relax as we pull back the covers. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome back to Love Clues. You may know this week's guest as the nail painting, ballet dancing, Olympic boxer with a mullet, but as we're all about to find out, he's so much more than that. Hot off the tails of winning his Olympic bronze in the boxing ring, Harry Garside is here with us. He tells us what he's learnt from past relationships and how that's changed his approach with a new partner, the positive and negative role models he had growing up and how he's blazing an incredible trail towards self-betterment and becoming the exact type of role model for masculinity this world needs. Hype up. And please welcome to the stage, featuring his little dog for some spice in the background, <laughs> Harry Garside. Welcome to Love Clues.
1: Hey, thank you.
0: Welcome home. Look at you. You're back. I know. Let's go. You're back where you belong. So, welcome, welcome, welcome. Um, All right. Are you recording, Harry? Yes. Great. Yeah. Harry's yes, a sweet. digital native. What do you think he's doing? <laughs> I know. He knows how to... <laughs> know. Do you know how many podcasts and Zooms he's done? I <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> really not that many. Probably
0: more than us. <laughs> so, should we just dive straight in?
1: Let's go deep end.
0: Awesome. Okay, great. I think so. Why not? So I would love to kick off talking to you for a bit of background. My boyfriend, Brandon, also comes from an elite sport background. And I know that it had a really massive effect on the person he is now, and also in his formative years growing up as a young man. So I'm wondering how you think that coming from such an elite, immense pressure sport background affected you in your formative years, and if you think there are traits that cross over to, to the way that you are in relationships.
1: Man, this is such a good question to start with. Um, So I'm an open I try my best to be an open book because I, I, I really only think, like, I'll answer the question after this, but I really only think the best way to grow is by being open because it's like, if I just trap it up in here, I don't ever like vocalize it and then I can never actually hear it and then I never actually make changes. That's what I feel. So even if some of my answers may not seem right, I'm saying it because I want to learn and I want to be better. I don't want to continue doing the same sh- stuff that I've been doing my whole life that hasn't been working in relationships or in boxing or, you know what I mean? Totally. But for yeah. me, growing up, I actually didn't have much success with sports. So I didn't have like the sense of like, I guess an identity as a high performance athlete. I was always known in my area as a boxer and stuff like that. And I always loved the sport and I still do. I love the sport dearly. And I think for me, like I've struggled in relationships. I've had three serious relationships in my life and all three have failed miserably mm. because of the same patterns that I have ran. That's
0: three more than me. <laughs>
1: so it's okay. <laughs> it sucks though. It really does suck. And I think my first, probably first two, I wasn't aware of why I was making that. My last one, I've become a lot more, lot more conscious of why it failed and it almost looked like I was running the same track with all three relationships. So for me, the similarities with sport and relationships, I think it's like when I'm all in, like I'm all in, you know what I mean? And then mm. it's like I'm, I've never been all out of sport, but I definitely have... It's like once something bad has happened, it's like I've got that one foot in, one foot out just to protect myself as a yeah. safety safety mm-hmm. net. Like
0: yep, I'm totally. already out.
1: So if she hurts me again, I wasn't fully in it anyway, if that makes sense. Yeah.
0: You know, I don't know shit about boxing, but I appreciate how amazing <laughs> it is. This, but like, I, I think one of the first times maybe you showed up on my radar, like in my feed even, was one of your videos you made after the Olympics and you were talking about how thankful you were for everyone's support and everything. But then you also, it sounds strange to say, but you almost had this like hint of disappointment in the bronze rather than the gold. It made me think, wow, like how do you navigate your self-love in something like sport where achievement is so, or it can seem so black and white, like you win Mm. or you lose and it's, it's gold or nothing. And is that sort of tied to how you see yourself almost?
1: Yeah, 100%. I definitely latch I'm trying my best to separate the two as like having an identity as an athlete. Um, you know what I mean? Because I am just a human, just like everyone else, regardless of, of everything else that goes on in my life. Like, it's like me screwing up on the weekend with, with whatever I did, you know what I mean? It's just, I'm just a human. We are all just human. And it's hard though, because at times you get, you get fed all this stuff, all these compliments and all this stuff about how much of a good athlete you may be, how much of a good person you are with that persona. Like it's all a persona. That makes sense. Like it is an element of who I am, but I'm also not going to show everyone the element. You mean deep down of what type of person I am being. Because it's like it's none of anyone's business. That makes Mm. sense. Or like only my circle should. I think should know that. Um, who I feel comfortable showing. So it's like it is a hard thing to to show. Like of course I was disappointed. I think most athletes and most people in high performance environments and most humans would have like a massive inner critic. Like my inner Mm. critic has got me to where I am. It's a shit thing because it like, no matter how successful I may be or how unsuccessful I am, that inner critic is like trashing me hard. And it's the thing that makes me get up and go, no, I am good enough because it's constantly telling me that I'm not so it's like an interesting relationship you know what i mean because i was disappointed in that bronze and sometimes i do tie myself worth to my success as an athlete but then i don't ever take into account that like i do so much more outside of that persona too that like i should credit myself for but i struggle to sometimes because it doesn't get the recognition that i do as an athlete if that makes sense
0: totally yeah it makes so i mean it's it's hard for me to imagine i mean guess i guess we're sort of like that in like our own careers but to that extent i think is a whole different mindset that most people probably wouldn't experience absolutely yeah it's like a universal experience that I can only imagine when the stakes are so high and the whole world is watching and you're put on this pedestal in many areas of your life outside of whether you win or lose or not like that's just so much pressure the relationship that you have with your inner critic is really interesting you know that it's not always the most enjoyable part of your brain to have playing in the background at all times but that it also is What has gotten you to where you are now? Mm. It's like almost a little part of yourself that you can fight against and that you have control over. It's like, hell no, (laughs) I'm gonna prove you wrong. I think that's really cool to have that awareness.
1: Yeah. And at times, though, like it gets like overwhelming in the sense of like, you're like, shut up. Um, Mm -hmm. because it like, it doesn't stop, but like someone fed me this analogy the other day. It's like, we all have two wolves inside of us and it's like one wolf is the dark wolf, the inner critic. And then the other wolf is like, you're real positive and and you're in, and it's like, whichever one is bigger is the one you feed the most. Like, I don't think you're ever going to get rid of either wolf. You know, you can't kill either wolf. So you you need both. But it's like, if you're going to feed that negative one, like I think a lot of the time with social media, it's just negative, negative, negative. If you're going to feed that, it's just you're going to see negative everywhere. So I try my hardest to Mm -hmm. like be as positive as I can be because for me, I don't know about anyone else, my critic is so loud. So I have to try and counterbalance it as best I can
0: getting to a to a hyper level of success like you have like that has to be driven by that inner critic like you just said your hunger to achieve and achieve and achieve and achieve beyond what you already have must yeah. be the thing that drives your success but then and I can relate to a point where it's that double-edged sword of you never then appreciate just how far you've come mm. or the moment that you've been in mm. does that make sense so 100%. it's like 100% do you feel like you attribute your success to that hunger to feeding that wolf that's going to drive you for but then you never get to stop and realize, like, oh my God, this is how far I've come, or like this is what I've achieved. Yeah. Without like slowing down, you know.
1: Yeah, my my mum always said to me, like, and she said it for you, she's like, make sure you sit back and smell the roses.
0: Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god, totally.
1: Yeah, it's like a hard thing for me to do personally. Um, because it's like when when I was younger, like I really wanted to win a state title. And then when I won mm. the state title, it's like I want to win a national title. And then when I won the, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Like,
0: like, yes, exactly. It's like,
1: I, never, I never take into account, like, five years ago, I was literally working as a roof tiler with my dad. I never think about that, like, because for me now, I'm thinking about, okay, what can I do next year? Where's my goal setting? It's a yeah. good thing. It is a good thing. Like, I don't wish I didn't have it because I'm so grateful I do have that inside of me. But it's like, and Tara now is like, I don't know mm-hmm. if I'll be like this forever. Like, like, I kind of just want to be at a place where I'm, like, content.
0: Yes, absolutely. And when the goalposts are moving with things that just seem completely endless, you know, sport, there's always one more gold that you can win. And also with self-development, how do you, do you have strategies for like processing success?
1: Yeah, true. It's only like the self-development journey, like I've probably been doing since I was about 14 and obviously that evolves a lot. And I'm like... I'm very happy. I've got a long way to go. Like I'm nowhere near where I want to be, but like that's actually an area where I'm like, man, I've I've done a lot of things for myself that like I I I actually appreciate because it's like like I know a lot of people in my life. You mean are still running the same patterns, and it's like it's sad to see they don't know any different. And I'd never judge them or criticize them, but it's like I know different. I'm too conscious and I'm too aware that if I don't change this, I'll hate myself. You know what I mean? It's like I need, because yeah. I'm so aware of the negative things inside of me, I have to change them or else I'll be very unhappy.
0: And, like, obviously we only know you from stalking what other podcasts you've been <laughs> on or, like, looking at your socials. But it's like, I I know <laughs> the story about the Reach Foundation and how they, like, came to your school or whatever and you did the workshop and, like, that sort of opened the moment. Mm that started the self-development journey.
1: Yeah.
0: But it's like there must have been something in you that had a proclivity to be interested in that because it's one thing to do a school workshop and to be, like, inspired in the moment, but it's another to sort of, like, take that mindset and then let it carry out through your whole life, basically. Yeah. So do you feel like you would have come to your own conclusions anyway?
1: I do think so, yeah. I think it would have just taken me a bit longer. Mm. I think for me, like, I've always been extremely curious about, like, life. And I honestly think it's one of the my like favorite things about me and it's like I'm curious about and it's like I try my best not to be as judgmental as I can like why are people doing what they're doing and stuff like that and when I was even younger like not that I was aware but I was always asking like why are they doing that and and I had some really positive role models growing up but also some really negative ones and for me it was like I don't want to run the same patterns that those negative role models are running and I've always wanted to try my best to change and grow and use them as fuel to like I don't want to be like that. You know what I mean? So it's like I've always had that inside of me since I was, like, I think probably like early high school, but then obviously the Reach Foundation, podcasts, listen to a lot of podcasts, audiobooks, Mm. boxing as well, the opportunities I've had through boxing, travelling, like that's made me grow a lot. Relationships have been a big thing that I've grown from too. So all these things are like helping me find out more about myself because I'm so unaware. There's so much still to learn. I think we all can like vouch for that. Like there's Mm. so much to learn about ourselves. It's like so exciting, but also terrifying as fuck.
0: Totally. And yeah. we're all still, like, so young. Like, I thought I was the pinnacle of self-awareness when I was, like, 21. And I look back now and I'm like, oh, girl, like, no, you know. Oh, you damn It's just, fool. like, that whole thing yeah. as well. Like, even being self-aware of, like, how much you don't know is a whole other layer of just, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's overwhelming. It never ends. So how how was love modelled to you growing up?
1: oh so like i've got two parents are still together and like growing up they're 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 madly in love right now and and growing up like they obviously had Barneys and stuff like that, like, they they argued a lot. I personally thought at times that they weren't going to stay together, like, so they had, like, an interesting relationship, but, like, they were always there for each other, so, like, and I think for me, it's, like, it's always just been them two against the world, like, so for me, like, love, it's, like, you and your partner against the world, and it's, like, they've almost said, like, I've felt at times that it's, like, a pretty unachievable love, if that makes sense, like, in relationships I feel I often go go in really hot, and it's, like, I'm, like, putting everything into it, and then yeah. it's like, if I don't feel like that's reciprocated, then I, I don't think I get scared. I'm like, no, nah, she doesn't love me. Like, if that makes sense, these are the fears that going through my head. And, yeah, it's just like I often do feel at times like my parents have set, like, a fairly unachievable love. But I do think it is out there. But I just also do think love now is different to what love was 30 40 50 years ago i think it's different it's evolving yes, it's changing
0: totally yep. i totally agree yeah our parents have a great love story they're still together they've set the bar very high for us and i guess it's sort yeah. of like the parallels that you drew earlier between the sport mindset as well and the all in and the commitment thing like even beyond romance are you like that with your friends and like in all different types of relationships like the yeah. loyalty and like the showing up
1: yeah so for me it's like i was growing up 100 percent. i really cared about my mates and i would do anything for them. As the older I'm getting I'm trying my best to small up my circle, like keep my circle really small but those people who are in my circle like i would literally take a bullet for like it's that type of loyalty. Yeah. But yeah, but it's like, it is it is interesting because I do have those relationships like in everything I do it's all in or not in it at all like there's no in between. Um, yeah, and you can, right. You, yeah, and you can definitely tell if I'm not in it at all, like you can tell like I'm just not present, I'm not there, I don't care about it. I was like that at school, I did not care about it. I yeah. was I was just there because I had to be there. Like, I didn't care. I was always just wanting to box or, oh. or do something else that makes sense.
0: Totally. The all or nothing, <laughs> the all or nothing mindset. And do you think that having the value for having a close circle of the ride or die friend, are you conscious of building a circle around you of support that reinforces the type of person you want to be? Mm. Like, have you culled people from your life? Do you think that the people that you surround yourself by are important a- in
1: great question this is a great question because I've I've honestly yeah I've thought about this a lot and I've I've really struggled with my whole life once I give someone loyalty I really struggle to give it back because my idea of loyalty is like regardless of what that person does, I'm still going to be there. They could, say if I had a sister, they could sleep with my sister mm. and I would hate them and hate them for a bit, but they're still my friend and I, would, and I would back them to the hills. If they got addicted to drugs or went down a really bad path, I would try yeah. my hardest to be there for them. It makes sense. And it's like often because yeah. of that, though, I struggle to let friends go who are like really mm. bad influences on me.
0: yeah yeah and I'm aware of it oh my god I relate so much yeah yeah yeah, totally
1: yeah I'm so aware of it and like it sucks sometimes because you they're the ones you probably need to cut but it's like
0: yeah
1: I really find it hard I must admit I do find it hard
0: that's That's such a double-edged sword as well I feel like sometimes and you're obviously like a very generous person with like your time and your emotional capacity and sometimes it feels like the people that need to be cut out of your life are probably the ones that need the most support anyway Mm. so it's Mm. like if I cut this person out, like where who have they got? You know, like I'm a positive influence on them, even though they're a negative influence on me. So it's like, how do you put yourself first and form that circle that you were talking about, Grace? It's so oh, it's such a strange. It's tough. Path. It's really tough. Yeah.
1: Like it actually is, and there's like a, a few things, and it's like you surround yourself with five idiots, you become the six. You surround yeah. yourself with five. You <laughs> surround yourself with five millionaires, you become the six. I'm aware of that, it's but so as you true. said, like, I don't want to turn my back on someone who I know. Needs my support, yeah. yeah deep yeah, down, they need my support, and I'm very emotionally aware compared to the males or compared to the people in my life. Yeah, that I, that I grew up with. So it's like I kind of feel like I need. I feel like an obligation to be that person for them too.
0: Especially because you're sort of connected to. I want to say like regional, maybe like regional Victoria. Yeah. Like so, you're still connected to those people that like you literally grew up with.
1: Yeah. Hard. Yeah. 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 Totally. Growing yeah. up in a
0: bubble is a big one. We were the same. Small coastal. T- in New South Wales <laughs> and you don't think you're in a bubble until you leave it.
1: Like I travel a lot and I see the world and I see that like the world is like so beautiful and so unique and there's so much going on, different cultures, people live differently, people are struggling, people aren't struggling. Like I see a lot Yeah, and it's like I feel a lot of the people that I grew up with don't have that opportunity. So it's like they don't know any different and like there is some traits that they have that I don't agree with, old-fashioned traits I'm just like, nah, but it's also like they don't know any different like they're doing the best they can with what they know so I I don't know as I said I feel like a bit of an obligation to try and role model and I do struggle at times I try my best to role model this is what I've learned or something like that. So you're
0: the one who like lifts people up around you?
1: Try I try to but also as well I try to try my best not to because it's like one of those things if I feel I went in there like hey you're like doing this wrong I don't ever want anyone ever to feel that I feel like I'm better than them because I'd never feel like that so it's like I don't
0: that makes sense like I never go in there I never
1: go in there I try and lower myself to like talking to yeah. them. Yeah, but it's a really hard thing for me to manage at times.
0: You have to like <laughs> Trojan horse it in because if somebody knows that you're trying to like help them or change them and they have any insecurities about that, you need to like make them think that it's their idea.
1: Yeah, it's so true. If you go in hot, people just get defensive and, I, and I'm and like that too. If I feel like someone's criticising me, I'm just straight into defensive, you know what I mean? It sucks, it's a bad trait. Yeah. But yeah, I can understand it. And I'm empathetic towards them for sure.
0: So how about younger Harry... And the Harry's sitting before us today. Do you feel like you're bringing a different understanding of love to your relationships now than you did when you were younger? Because from stalking you on the socials, you really seem like you wear your heart on your sleeve. You know, you're smitten with your current partner, you're commenting on all her photos. Have you always been like that? Or is Name this. Maybe no like, names, but we did deep dive. We you did know? do a deep dive. We did. It seems like you're in a good place yeah. anyway
1: yeah so I learned a lot I, as I said I, I feel like I ran the same pattern with all three relationships I've had and only in the last one did I realize like wow like I'm bringing a lot of negative shit to this and it's like toxic masculinity traits like a very like jealous and and some things that I really don't like and and yeah. only in that last relationship did I realize I'm like man I've got a lot of work to do and I'm very grateful with this with this girl that I'm seeing right now um it's still very early but she's We've had really good conversations about both of our past relationships and how they didn't work and how we've both got a lot to fix. And I'm grateful that we've started that foundation because it's like we're both trying our best to be better. And it's like, I also think if I did screw up or if she screwed up, I feel like we've set a really good foundation that like we would be understanding and we would try and like debrief it or try and learn from that if it makes sense rather than just Mm -hmm. like, letting it happen like she gave me criticism the other day not criticism it was constructive criticism but she gave me criticism the other day and i sat in it usually i would get defensive and i'm like i was so happy with myself because i just sat there listened to her and and i was like okay okay how can i fix this and and how can i be better next time like that for me is growth from my last relationship so i'm proud of myself for that big Um,
0: time yeah yeah
1: still got a long way to go because i'd usually be like real defensive like you criticizing me like so yes. I'm grateful for that. I'm really grateful for that.
0: I mean, part of this whole podcast thing is because I've never been in love before and I'm the big sister and like Grace has just fallen in love and is going through something that usually I'm the one to give life advice first, but she's like going through something where I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. Like I've never experienced that. It seems like those skills in a relationship really have to be learnt on the job with the other person.
1: Mm. Yeah. It's like, I often said that as well. I said that to her. I said, I don't think I'm, if you're in the wrong relationship, you're just going to either either learn from it or you just just going to run the same pattern symbol as that but it's like mm. we have both realized that like you can do some stuff when you're single but like the reality is unless you're tested you're not going to know if you're actually doing the right stuff totally. and i feel like we have gone in with that attitude that we both really want a successful relationship and whether that's together i really hope it is because she's fantastic and i like genuinely adore it but like also if it doesn't we both know that we're going to learn a lot from this and we're both going to hold each other accountable and try and grow as best we can you mean fingers crossed it goes somewhere i really think it will but like just in case it doesn't we have that yeah. mindset that we're just trying to grow as best we can I
0: think that's so amazing that you're setting that precedent so early mm. to be like let's lay all our cards out on the table here's what I've been through here's what you've been through okay right 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 because then the reactions that you have say one day you are being a little bit mindless or something and you do get defensive then it gives her the awareness for like oh okay so this is just a little habit that he's gonna work on instead of being like oh why mm. is he suddenly like this it's just makes everything oh, I just yes, I love that so yeah. much. It just makes everything make so much more sense. Yeah. Everybody knows where they stand, it's just such a productive way to be. So, I think that's awesome. I'm re-
1: yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy. As I said, like it's still very fresh and very early, but like,
0: yeah, I'm
1: generally, she's a little bit older than me. I'm only 24, she's 33, she's just a little bit older, but I'm also. But how like,
0: many times would you in your life have been told that you're like wise beyond your years or something? Yeah. Like, that's the vibe <laughs> I get from you.
1: Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, nah, so true. That's the thing. Like, I've always felt that. But I felt like sometimes, not blaming anything on my last ex- ex-partners, but, like, if their maturity level was there, I would come down to that as well. So it's like we would both sit there. If that makes sense. So it's like I feel like because her name's Ash, because she, she's a little bit more mature, naturally, like I'm sort of rising to it as well, which I'm happy for. Yeah, we
0: really, You time. lift each other <laughs> up. That's the way it should be. Totally.
1: Um, she lives in Sydney, though, and I'm I'm from Melbourne. So that's like a, oh, that's like a big... Oh, like, true. Mm, um, but if if you're in love with someone, if you're in love with someone, you'll make it work. So obviously it's early, but uh, we're just gonna make sure it actually is what we both want. And then yeah,
0: yeah, totally. Um,
1: but yeah, she seems just oh, move to man. Sydney.
0: Come on, Sydney's um, so much better. I, Come on. I hate where I
1: live, so I'm thinking yeah. about Come it. Come
0: to Sydney. Wait, it's it's great. You got you got yeah. your girlfriend and two friends, me and Grace. What more do you need? Yeah,
1: <laughs> I need friends. No. <laughs> yeah,
0: you got us. Don't worry. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's funny you said something before about you know hoping that this relationship goes somewhere. I hope it does for you guys as well, obviously. But like, then you said if it doesn't, it's still productive. And that's something Grace and I talk about a lot. What even is the definition of a successful relationship? Like why? And maybe it's the same as us. Like we have parents that are still together after all these years or whatever. So it seems like a good relationship is one that lasts forever. And Grace and I are always like, oh, you know, why can't you have these phases of relationships in your life that are really productive and you take a lot from, but maybe they run their course or they don't last forever. Like, is that still a successful relationship? You know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know.
1: Yeah, that's so true. And I like bringing it back to my ex-partner, like it was extremely toxic and it was like zero to a hundred real quick, but like. I'm so grateful that happened. I learned so much. She challenged me in ways I've never been challenged before. And I learned so much from that. So I am grateful it happened. Of course, it sucked when we're in it. Like there were some times it really struggled, but like all in all, oh man, I I wouldn't be where I am now emotionally if it wasn't for that partner, for sure. It's
0: amazing to have that. If you can walk away from any relationship, being grateful for the role it's played in your life.
1: It takes time. Trying (laughs) to
0: learn from it. Oh, yeah.
1: (laughs) It takes time. time.
0: (laughs) Oh, guys, I've got a lot of work to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> How much time have we got? How much time have we got? You're, you're like a therapist, Harry.
1: <laughs> oh, I don't know about it. I've got a long way to go myself. No, for real. Yeah.
0: Actually, you know, that's a good point. So, like, we've never met before. Like, even in this conversation, I feel like I know a lot about you because I was able to, like, listen to podcasts where you're so open, I see you wearing your heart on your sleeve on your socials. You're so generous with your time and your emotions and your inner insights but how do you set boundaries for yourself now that you are in the public eye because i it can be so cathartic like sharing and being open and being vulnerable but there must come a point where you're like no this is like just for me or for my partner mm. or for my friends or whatever like do you have a boundary do you have a line
1: yeah it's definitely something that i'm trying to navigate as best i can and it's like still something that's fairly new to me like prior to the olympics like i had a manageable following it was only six or seven thousand like it was nice and it was like a, it was Pretty, pretty intimate, like I had some really good people following me and stuff like that. Now it's like, it's, it's blown up to a point where I'm just like, I did not plan for this. And it's like, I screwed up over the weekend, did something I shouldn't have. And some of the messages that I have received have been extremely negative. Like, to the point where it's just like, man, who, who can say that to another human and be okay with it? Like, I understand the world's in, like, a really dark place at the moment. People are genuinely struggling. And what I did was kind of selfish and disrespectful to them. And I totally understand. And I actually am genuinely sorry for it. But, like, some of the messages I'm just reading, it's hard not to read that and, like, take it personally. That's just genuinely yeah. hard. Like, but just also trying to separate, like, I heard this really good thing from this guy called Gabal Mate. Unreal. Like, look him mm. up after this. He's fantastic. And he said, like, people are just doing the best they can can with what they know so like it gives me a little bit more empathy for people so it's like anything that anyone says to me could be negative could be positive they're just doing the best they can with what they know so I try my best not to like get personal with it and just like hey it is what it is he's just upset right now he may not mean it it's fine because I didn't I didn't expect for this to happen like I still feel like I'm just a little kid from a small town in in Melbourne I don't feel any
0: influencer woo
1: (laughs) 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 woo I don't feel any different. That's um, what I
0: mean. Like there must, there must come, that must come with so much pressure. And like, even now, as you're emerging as this public profile, you think of Harry Garside and it's like, you know, the ballet dancing boxer Mm. or like with the painted nails and, you know, which is all, which are all amazing attributes. But it seems like already there's, I don't want to use the word brand, but it is true. Like if you're a public person, you become your own brand and like, the way you carry yourself through the world is sort of how people are going to know you. Yeah, but and I feel just, like naturally, yeah.
1: don't, don't don't you feel, I felt this is from a young age, like the reason why I painted my nails was because of this reason. It was like we all play a role. We all play a role of how maybe you think your parents want you to act or your friends want you to act at school so you fit in. We all just want to fit in. Mm. Like we all play, I feel we all play this role and I felt this my whole life, like we play a role. Um, and it's even now, like, I've kind of got to play the role. Yeah. I'm trying my best to be authentic, but you kind of still got to play this role that, like as you said, people think that I'm as ballet dancing plumber who wears nail polish. Like, will I will I now have to wear nail polish for the rest of my life? Like, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Or will I have to? Does that make sense? Like,
0: because the but, more that it's enforced, really. the more it becomes. It's sort of like a self fulfilling prophecy, yeah, of like yeah. your identity or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, only I will know who I am deep down.
0: And you have to try and regain control of who that is. But with the nail painting, when you were talking about playing a role, what role is that playing for you? And why did that start for people who don't know?
1: Yeah. So for me, like, growing up, I I felt like I I was always different to my two older brothers and my dad. I didn't have many females in my life besides my mum. And I definitely, like... Was definitely a lot closer to my mom, and and a lot of the activities my mom was doing, I was like, Yeah, I'm all in. And and my brothers were like, Nah, we're out the back with dad, you know, smashing around in dirt. Like, that was like their child, and I was just like, Nah, I don't ever want to do that stuff. Like, that stuff sucks. Like, then I got to school, and everyone was like, I'm the youngest of three boys so everyone was like oh you're a gar side even teachers were like that and they're like oh and my brothers were rat bags absolute rat bags <laughs> and it's like then I felt that I kind of had to play that role so then when I went home and I was just sort of looking around like what are dad what's dad doing what's dad saying what's what's Josh and Jack It's my brothers what are they saying like and then I went to school and I just mirrored that and it and it wasn't me it actually didn't feel authentic but I like felt I kind of had to play this like that's what people thought yeah. I was. I'm a side You kind of got to be a gasard, and um, it was tiring. Like I did that for a long time in, in my childhood, even leading into, even in leading into my twenties, and I still struggle now. Sometimes that comes out, but I'm getting better at like understanding what who I am. And, like, what I like. I'm getting better. I'm not fully there, but, like, I'm trying my best to just show, like, Mm. and I'm so unique. We all are. We're unique, versatile. We're, like, so deep and there's so much going on that, like, yeah, we have so much to offer and I'm just trying to find that out about myself so that I can show that to the world.
0: And is that all through the undercurrent that underpins it all is, like, the lens of your role as a man and as a guy, because I I find it pretty hard to divorce my identity and how I carry myself through the world without thinking about it through the lens of like being a woman and what that means. The toxic masculinity concept gets thrown around a lot towards you because it's something that you've like spoken about and that you try and tackle. But is it at the forefront of your mind when you're thinking about who you are?
1: Yeah, I think it's like almost ingrained in, in, especially in Australia and where I'm from, Mm. it's like a fairly country town like on the outskirts of the melbourne suburbs and people are very set in their ways and stuff like that so it's like it is a hard thing for me to like get a grip of and like not play that role because it's like we all want to fit in and often at times like a lot of my ambition a lot of my motivation stems from me just like wanting to feel enough, like I don't feel good enough. And when I achieve that, I will feel enough. And it's like, that's where a lot of my motivation comes from. And like, I really just want to fit in. I want friends, I want people to love me. And often at times then because of that, I sacrifice bits of myself in social settings to fit in. And it's like, I'm getting a lot better, but that's pretty much been my whole life.
0: Even as you're saying that, that's so at odds with what you were just talking about, getting connected to how you feel authentic and what Mm. you like. Because sometimes if you want to fit in so easily, it's so much easier to sacrifice What who you want to be or what you want to do because obviously that can sometimes come at a cost and you feel like an outsider or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting though. Someone used another analogy with me the other day, and it he was loves like,
0: analogies. Yeah. He <laughs> loves analogies, my boy, yeah. <laughs> more.
1: Um, and it was like it was like people are gonna love you with your mask on and people are gonna hate you with your mask on. If you take that mask off, it's gonna be the same thing. People are gonna love you with that mask oh off. Oh my god! And it's like for me, I'm in this process right where. It's It's like, I've taken my mask off and I'm trying to show people this is really who I am. And it's like, it's lonely at times. So I'm in that transition stage where I'm like, I'm starting to attract people who actually accepts me for the real me.
0: Yeah, totally. Yes.
1: Yeah, yeah. Ah, but i in that process. And you
0: find your crowd.
1: Yeah, I'm still in that process, though. So, yeah, and that comes with, like, cutting people off who were, like, knew me with my mask on and they don't accept me with my mask off. So it's like...
0: Do you know what, though? Yeah. Even as you're saying that, I'm realising that sometimes when you do embrace your, like, more authentic personality, it sort of alleviates you of the feeling of, like, actively having to cut people out of your life because mm. maybe, like, they cut you out of their lives... Which then, like, works for you anyway. So you're like, okay, I didn't have to, like, do that work. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Everyone ends up gravitating to who they're supposed to be around anyway, I guess. Yeah.
1: Even like this, this conversation, like, like, obviously, I don't know you girls that well. But like, like, from this conversation, like, I hope that we maintain friends, because it's like, you are obviously on this emotional journey as well. You're trying to grow, you're trying exactly. to learn and figure out yourself. So it's like, these are the people that I want to be surrounded with, you mean, like not people who aren't doing anything to help themselves. Like, I want to be surrounded with people who are like actively wanting to fix themselves.
0: Harry, you ever, want, you ever want tickets to a clue show? <laughs> I doormat. don't think tickets <laughs> okay. to a clue show. Lockdowns I actually
1: your music. I, I looked think it up. I don't it's the
0: only thing I've got I to th- offer. <laughs> it's the only thing we've got to trade.
1: I actually liked your music. I saved one of your songs. Yeah, I, I actually listened to it. I looked it up. It was nice. Good, good songs. Yeah, I love like female vocals over anything. Dead set.
0: Actually, this is such a perfect segue to talk about how for us, music is so tied to love and relationships, self-love, exploration, catharsis, expression. So does sport and particularly does art play a role like that for you? Because I know you write poetry. Yeah. What are your avenues of like expression and catharsis?
1: Mm. So, yeah, for me, often, like, my energy output comes through talking. Um, so I, d- I do something, you would, like, once a month that makes me uncomfortable. And a couple of months ago, one of my challenges was not talking for 50 hours or something like that. And, like... That challenge, 50 hours, yeah, it was tough. And it really made me realise, I honestly felt like I was going to implode at times because, like, I really made me realise that I express a lot through verbalization. I try my best not to hold it in, which is a really good thing. I, I like, vocalise a lot and I talk a lot my brain is just like nonstop, right? right. so like i'm trapped in my head a lot so it's a lot of self-talk but then there's also a lot of talking with other people but like also as well like boxing i have a lot of energy output with that but yeah probably like in a creative sense i guess it would be like i have only just started writing poems like three months ago and like that has obviously been that
0: was so recent yeah right
1: yeah the matthew mcconaughey book green lights was the one that inspired me and that has honestly been like a really good way to like because like, whatever, whatever comes out no one's going to read it. Some people read the poems I'm happy with. Like yeah. whatever comes out like that's just that's just for me to see. You know what I mean? And it's like I feel like I let it out more than ever and yeah I feel like you girls would be able to emphasise that because if you're writing music like I could imagine it would just be like you'd be letting your heart out in your sleep. You know what I mean? Real hard. So Yeah exactly. Totally. But yeah other ways. like my my grandma's a painter so I've never really done any like painting or anything like, like that. Um, I've got ADHD so I really struggled to and, like sit down as, as and like as be care. still
0: for a second yeah
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I was in quarantine someone gave me a colouring book and I actually really liked it it took me a long time to like do one page like it was like a few days but like I really enjoyed that like it was peaceful had music playing in the background it was just like I was just in the zone
0: so like meditative you know
1: it is yeah i'm the type of person i feel like i like to get shit done so it's like a hard thing for me to just stop i'm like nah, i could be doing something more productive right now i could be training or i could be doing something listening to a podcast or like it's yeah. a
0: perpetual glow up isn't it the hustle never stops
1: yeah. <laughs> sometimes i'm like
0: oh my god i'm like do i have to do this the rest of my life i'm like yes I guess so. It never never stops. It It never never ends. ends. Yeah. It's great. The never stops. Oh, my gosh. Harry, I'm so obsessed with you. I feel like I'm just clicking with you so hard. You're so beautiful.
1: I've been (gasps) vibing this chat so much. Um, You know. It's good to, like... It's good to... Because I want to try my best. Because, like, I'm not perfect. I'm a long way off that. And there's a lot of stuff I need to fix. But, like... I know I do things in a male setting the boys the boys I grow up they'll be taking the pits out of me like oh mate you're doing this you're doing that like, mm. and it's like but then one on one they all want to know they're like okay so what are you, yes. like, what, are you what are you journaling about <laughs> yeah. like, how, what, how, how do you that. use to meditate <laughs> you know what I <laughs> mean like, yeah. like they want to know and it's like I just want to try and show that like I'm no different to any other person male, female I'm no different and we are no different we just want to grow and we're trying to evolve and like, like I feel like the world at the moment is just not kind at all to anyone else who has a different opinion. I'm just trying to be like understanding and like everyone's just doing their own thing and uh, let them do whatever they want. You are
0: such an amazing force. Yeah, you are a force for good for sure. You're a force to be reckoned with and I'm just so, (laughs) let's just say a little prayer literally and say I'm so grateful for Harry. (laughs) Attitude and gratitude. No, it is true though because it's like obviously like we're very entrenched in like the mindset of even in like our industry, it's very male dominated. There's a lot of discourse about like women's role in, as you would know, in society Mm. in general, there's a lot of shit to unpack. But I think that I genuinely do forget how, I don't want to say behind, but I, I forget how challenging it must be to be a young man Mm. And to feel like there's this place that you can get to, but that society isn't making it easy for you. Because, you know, I'm surrounded by a lot of amazing women and men and like my circles are very progressive. And I just feel like sometimes I forget that for a lot of people, like it probably would be fucking radical to have a mullet, but also have painted nails, you know, mm. whereas to us, we, like that seems just like, I'm like literally like that's normal, you know? Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I just, I just, I think I forget how impactful they is. We're in a progressive echo chamber as well. Yeah.
1: There's a really good quote that I heard on a movie and it was like, we grow up in a time where girls become women and men become boys. I truly do believe that. I'm all for like women in power. I actually am because I, I truly, especially in Australia. Why the fuck, why the fuck is there a difference between, and i I often think this, like in like government, Females make up 50% of the population. Why is it not 50 50 or at least 60 40 yeah. on both ends could move? I know, like, babe. Don't well, get me stuck. You know what I mean? It like, <laughs> yeah. frustrates me. It really frustrates me. Um, but I do believe that. And I, and I honestly do think in years to come, there's going to be a lot of problems with like male teenagers, males growing up in, in, in primary school and stuff like that. Cause it's like they're struggling to like fully understand. Themselves, as probably females are too, 100%. But, like, probably because I'm a male as well. I'm just generally concerned of, like, what is going to happen in the future? Like, what is the next move forwards. You know what I mean? Male suicide rate's already through the roof. Um, I yeah. know females have increased too, but it's, like, it's a dangerous thing mm-hmm. when young kids are taking their life. Like, what the fuck is going on?
0: Yeah, totally, totally. It's mm. so yeah. grim. Dismantling that idea of the toxic masculinity thing is so tied to women's issues because it's, like, you know, mm. you look at, like, violence rates in Australia and why men are perpetrators of violence more than women are or whatever it is. And, like, people talk about it like it's different sides of the coin. You know, like there's an argument for women's empowerment, but then people say, oh, like you just said, oh, but men are committing suicide at a high rate. And it's like that's part of the issue as well. Like that's the whole point. It's like there's this issue with masculinity that underpins both problems, you know. They're not different. They're not separable.
1: Yeah, Yeah.
0: 100%. So Um, interesting.
1: couldn't Couldn't agree more.
0: And also, I feel like I could talk to you for a thousand years, but I know that we have to let you let you go. <laughs> and I know, I know, we were supposed to talk about love only, but you're just it, there's too many interesting things. To you're too about. fascinating. Oh. Anyway,
1: and you both as well.
0: <laughs> you're yeah. I just think that as frightening as the future may be, I think we can be pretty excited for it as long mm. as people like you are around and paving the way. Because, like you said, we know that everybody has their guy friends, who so if they sat down one on one, would only come come to the conversation with curiosity about you know oh so what poems have you been writing lately Mm. everybody wants to improve everybody wants to grow but I think it's just we forget that it's really difficult to let that mask down Mm. and to let yourself be vulnerable even with your friends like probably especially for guys so I think as long as you're out here doing your thing then we'll be all right (laughs)
1: Thank you. I just had a thought as well. I was just thinking, like, I think the world we live in right now, is just, like, people are, like, pointing fingers, like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. I'm like, you're never going to, I don't believe you're ever going to change anyone if you're pointing fingers at them saying they're wrong. Like, the only way to, like, change something, I believe, is to, like, get down on their level. Dr. Khan, she's a Muslim lady, and she went on the front line with some white supremacists, right? Mm. So, like, she completely hated, or was against them, didn't hate them, was against them. And she made the leader change. And leave the, the white supremacist just by listening to him and understanding him and showing him that like there's a different way to the world. And I think that's the only way to change or like adapt society. So like understand why are people thinking like this. Why? And, oh like,
0: my gosh, I could not yeah. agree more. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. It's like
1: everyone's just pointing fingers at each other, like, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're yeah.
0: no.
1: like, whoa, man, relax.
0: <laughs> because there's a there's a lot of people's opinions that I disagree with so deeply, but I'm like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how ignorant you think somebody is. Mm all humans have pretty much the same fears. I mean, mm. like We fear things that we don't understand and we want to be part of a world that is safe for us and our kids and our families or whatever. And it's like, I think people just come to that conclusion in different ways and sometimes mm. it's from a different place than you or it's misdirected, but it's like, yeah, how could you change someone's mind by like, being on the attack? It's so challenging sometimes, yeah. but it's it so... It is hard.
1: It's a hard thing to bite your tongue sometimes. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. My <laughs> God. Yeah.
0: oh my God, Harry. Ah, oh! This has been so amazing. This has just like brightened my entire day so thank you so much for coming on the podcast we're seriously like yeah so thrilled to have gotten to know you a little bit that's so true i know uh, yeah, so- we've got it on the record
1: but yeah it's been a great chat i actually can't wait to listen to this back
0: no you're actually so eloquent and thanks for being so open and generous
1: no, anytime anytime you guys are as well um you're changing the game let's go let's go <laughs>
0: Oh my Lord, this left us feeling so optimistic and so replenished. So we give a very true thanks to Harry for shining some of his light on us today. And if this chat made you feel like reaching out and seeking support for your mental health or wellbeing, we'll be putting links to resources in the show notes, as well as referencing all of Harry's recommendations. Remember, Lily and I are always a DM away. And as always, we hope that you're all thriving and can't wait to see you next week. Love, Clays.